Good morning, church. Welcome to another Sunday morning church via online. I hope everybody is well this morning. My prayer is that as the church we will endure and remember to pray. You know, keep on in prayer. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we endure these uncertain times, as we endure this virus. From my family, we send love and greetings and have a blessed Sunday. Please turn with me to Micah chapter 5 as I read from verses 1 to 9. Micah chapter 5 verses 1 to 9. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria and the sword, and the land of Nimrod as its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Verse 7. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, when delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which, when it goes through, treads down and tears in pieces, and there is none to deliver. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and your enemies shall be cut off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lovely passage. We know it's all about a ruler to be born in Bethlehem, that it's a promise of the Messiah, the Christ. And we know, yeah, Micah predicts the birthplace and, and the victorious ruler of the Messiah. And we thank you for this passage. It gives us hope, but also shows us that you hold the future. You keep the future in the palm of your hand. So help me now, Father. Help us all to listen. Help us to, to listen intentively. Help us to to listen and apply and to trust you through this time. Help us not to turn our back on you. Help us not to become faint-hearted and weary, but help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So, Father, please help me now to preach faithfully, to encourage, to build, to strengthen, to rebuke and to teach and train us all in righteousness, but also help us to listen and hear what your word has to say to our hearts. Pray and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
Who do we believe who holds the future? Do we believe that God holds the future? Or do we believe some force holds the future? And when I say God holds the future, I mean He controls everything in heaven and on earth. So, as we live our Christian lives, to live sober, upright and godly lives in this fallen world, as we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the one who's going to bring about this event? Who controls this event? And this is a future event. God holds this future event in His hands. He controls this event. And as we look to what's going on outside in our world, the world's not going to derail at this present moment. God holds the future. He controls everything, our Heavenly Father. He has a wonderful story. It's about this man who would take, a, would take a train to work every day. But this particular morning, the train is running late. So it's speeding along to make up some lost time. And in the train, there are the passengers, they're afraid. And this man is talking to another man about the train derailing. And they're having this conversation. But as this man is talking, he noticed a little girl of about six years old. And she had a smile on her face. She did not look afraid. So he greeted her with a big smile. And she greeted him with a big smile. But he had to ask the girl, aren't you afraid? And the girl said, well, sometimes I am afraid of the train, but not this morning. The man said, but how come? How come you're not afraid of the train this morning? It's going so much faster. Aren't you worried it's going to derail? The little girl said, we are not in danger this morning. Because my daddy is the driver today. Why did I tell you the story? What's the point of the story? Well, this girl knew who was in control of this train. And she had complete confidence in her dad. And surely we, if we know as Christians that our Heavenly Father is in control of this world, we should have great confidence in our Heavenly Father, who is running the engine of our future, who holds the future. That He orders and controls everything in heaven and on earth. Nothing happens without God allowing it to, ha allowing it to happen. Paul tells us this. God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of His will. And the word accomplish means that God works or brings about all things according to His own will. Why is this so important for us to why is it so important for us to know this? Well, because no event in creation falls outside of God's sovereign will. Everything that happens in this world comes from God. He is the one who sends the rain, who, who sends the thunder, the lightning. He controls everything. God holds the future. All our actions are under God's sovereign and providential care. For in Him we live and move and have our being. And it's encouraging to know that our God holds the future. You've heard me say these words of this beautiful hymn. I know who holds the future, and He will guide me with His hand. With God, 
things don't just happen. Everything by Him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with His problems, large and small, I will trust the God of miracles. Give to Him my all. And are we trusting the God of miracles who holds the future? So this morning, I would like to, for us to turn to Micah chapter 5 and, and look at verses 1 to 9 and see that there are two reasons why we can trust God who holds the future. The first reason why we can trust God who holds the future is because God knows what He's doing. And this is what Micah is trying to accomplish and say to us in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 5. God knows what He's doing. He knows exactly what He's doing. All this the suffering that is coming about in this world, the pain, this virus, it's not just by chance. Christ rules over this apparently chaotic world. And hopefully we will be encouraged to, to trust God, to know He knows what He's doing. So if we look at back to Micah, Micah wants to encourage his people that God knows what He's doing. He's in control even when everything looks out of control. So in verse 1, if you look at me in verse 1 of Micah chapter 5, he describes an approaching siege. They have laid a siege against us. This happened in 586 BC when the Babylonians laid a siege. And, and, and this happened sometime before 586 BC, before they captured Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. So here's some history. If we go back to 597 BC, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. He was the Babylonian king and he captured Jerusalem. And he took the king at that time, King Joachim, the ten and 10,000 persons into captivity. And then sometime after that, King Nebuchadnezzar appointed King Zedekiah as king. And he sent this king back to Judah. He was the last king of Judah. And a few years later, while reigning as king, he rebels against King Nebuchadnezzar. So in 588 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar laid a siege on Jerusalem. And this is what's happening. There's a siege. And then in 586 BC, King Zedekiah sees that his situation is hopeless and he tries to escape, only to be captured. And of course, they humiliate him according to Micah verse 1 of chapter 5. They strike him on the cheek with a rod and they take out his eyes. This is what's happening in verse 1 to this king. What happened to King Zedekiah is a foreshadow of what would happen to Jesus, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. They would spit on him and beat him on the head and strike him on the cheek, according to Matthew 27, verse 30. Jesus found himself in a hopeless situation. Zedekiah found himself in a hopeless situation, but he decided to run. And Jesus, when he found himself in a hopeless situation, he did not run away 
or retaliate. He did not revile in return while suffering. He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to his father, who he knew holds the future. And we should be like Jesus. When we find ourselves in a hopeless situation, when everything is just falling out from underneath us, we also should trust God, knowing He holds the future. We should not run away. And often we run away and we turn our back on God. Instead of facing the problem head on with God, knowing that He Himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And what can man do to us? Nothing. But beware of the man that can kill both the soul and the body. Man can only kill our body. And if he kills us, well, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We go to Christ. And if we're in Scripture, we will find Scripture such an encouragement to, to trust God who holds the future, even when the world seems like it's all falling apart. And yet in verses 2 to 4 of Micah, Micah continues to encourage his people. Their setback is, is part of God's plan, that one day they will return to their land and continue to live and worship God. And yes, there was a time when King Cyrus, the Persian king, he came, he defeated the Babylonians, and then in time he sent the Jews back to their land. I think Zerubbabel went first to build the temple, then Ezra the priest went later, and then Nehemiah eventually went to restore the gate and the walls. But if we look at verses 2 to 4, it also looks forward to a day when a stronger when a when a stronger ruler will arise. Here is a mention of a new king, a new ruler, which should remind the people about their tradition of the messianic promise of the eternal reign of David's son, which they would have known back in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 4 to 17 that there's a messiah coming, the son of David. And he's going to reign eternally. But they are also hoping that this king would come immediately. But we know the great king does not come immediately. And unfortunately, according to verse 3 of Micah chapter 5, the ruler will not come immediately and prevent the present disaster that Jerusalem is facing. And like I said, the ruler who Micah is talking about, it is Christ Jesus, who came about 700 years later. Verse 3 of Micah chapter 5 says, When she who is in labor has born a child, Isaiah also spoke about a child being born. Verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Do we see that in, in this chaos, what's going on here to the present time that Micah's writing to, there's a future hope. 
of a Messiah coming that is going to rescue his people. So here in, in, this, in, this, in these verses, in verse 3, Micah and, and in verse 6 of Isaiah, Micah and Isaiah are talking about Jesus. They prophesied, and this prophesy, prophecy came true. Matthew in his gospel wrote, She, Mary, will bear a son, and he will save his people from their sins. And he will not come as an earthly king and rescue their people from oppression, but as the Messiah, the messianic ruler. He's going to come for his kingdom, and his kingdom is not of this world. And according to verse 4 of Micah chapter 5, he will stand as a ruler in order to accomplish God's plan. He will come not in his strength or his riches or his power, but he will come in the strength of the Lord, verse 4, and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He's going to come in God's power and in God's wisdom. And he will shepherd God's people by leading, by protecting and by providing for their needs. His kingdom will be a universal rule according to including all the nations of the earth. And this is great encouragement, because here is a future hope. When everything looks like it's just falling apart, we think everything is, is chaos, God is still in control. He holds the future. And, and none of this chaos should bring dismay to our hearts, because we know God knows what He is doing. He knows what He is doing. God knows exactly what he is doing. And Micah is encouraging the people and encouraging us to have confidence in God who knows what he's doing. He holds the future. It's not like, like I've said in the past that God has just wound up this world and he, and he lets, lets it go like a clock unwinding. God holds the future. He's involved in this world. If we have to look back at the Old Testament, and we have to look back at the Israelites when they were caught up in slavery in Egypt. And how often did they cry out to God to deliver them, to raise up a ruler, a leader, and deliver them from the oppression that the Egyptians were forcing upon them. And think about this, when God did not answer them, they probably thought, does God know what he's doing? Does God hold the future? Has our God forgotten us? No. We mustn't think like this. Sometimes our God is silent, but He is there. And He's working everything out for His good. And we know there was a time when God heard their cries. And, and He raised up Moses to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. And often they must have thought during their wilderness wandering, wanderings, does God know what is He's doing? As they went through the wilderness and, and as they rebelled and and as they cried out to, to Moses, why did you take us from the land of honey and milk and bring us to this land that has no food and is dry? They must have also thought then, does God know what he's doing? Maybe they even thought, does Moses know what he's doing? And maybe you're going through a crisis at this moment. And you're thinking, does God know what he's doing in my life? Does God know what he's doing in my circumstance maybe COVID-19 
is he's, he's becoming so much more severe and he's, and he's putting pressure on everybody. Everybody is also becoming fatigued by it. And, and maybe we're thinking, does God know what he's doing? Is God holding our future? Is he in control of this world? Does he really hold the future? And we have to say, yes, he does. And if we want to be encouraged, then, then go to the scriptures. Because there's a verse in the New Testament, in Romans, that gives us hope to endure our trials. Gives us hope to, to, to see that God knows what he's doing. That God holds the future. And it comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called to His purposes. Like I said, this verse gives us hope to endure our trials. None of our trials should bring us into dismay. They all should be there to, to, to help us trust God. Knowing he knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. He holds the future. And Lord willing, we'll look at our second reason next Sunday. To see why we can trust God who holds the future. But our first reason from Micah chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. God knows what he's doing. And, and, and hopefully... Now that we know that God knows what he's doing through all the chaos, like Israel with this siege, hopefully we will trust God who holds the future. The big question is, will we? Our trials, suffering that brings pain and hardship, like I said, they should not bring dismay to us if we are trusting God who holds the future. Because there on the cross, Jesus died for us to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can face trials with hope. Knowing that Jesus, the Lamb who was slain for our sins, sovereignly holds the future. All authority was given to him. He holds the future by the word of his power. Therefore, we can trust God who holds the future. But will we? As we go out into the workplace during the week and we see chaos and everything is just like, looks like it's falling apart, will we trust God through it, knowing He knows what He's doing? He holds the future. Will we? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this morning. Thank You that from this passage, Micah chapter 5, these first four verses where we look like everything is, is coming to an end. But we know that you hold the future. And from what looks like it's in ruin, you bring it about for our good and your purposes. So help us, Father. Help us to repent and to confess our sins, for we do not trust you. We do not always walk according to your ways and hold fast the gospel of Christ as we endure trials. At times we lean on our own strengths and our own abilities and think we, we, we can do it alone. 
But help us, Father. Help us to, to go to the Scriptures, to see that you are in complete control of this universe. You know what you are doing. You hold the future. And because of this, we can trust you. Again, like that, that hymn says, I know who holds the future, and he will guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow, with his problems, large and small, I will trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. And I can trust the God of miracles. And I can give to him my all. Because he holds the future. And he knows what he's doing. Amen. I'm going to close with a benediction from Revelation chapter 1. You can turn there with me. And don't forget to, to listen to the song, How Great Thou Art. And sing along and pray along as a family. But let's close with Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Starting halfway through verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And God's people say, Amen.